Hi, I'm Kelsey. Hi, good evening. Welcome to the soothing sounds of <laughs> Delilah. Um, and that is uh, Delilah, also known as Alex. <laughs> I'm Alex. And this is The Hills Are Alive, a movie musical podcast mm-hmm. where we discuss in detail. Wait, who are you? I already said I'm Kelsey. Oh, okay, cool. You were like interrupting me with your Delilah talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I, I enjoyed, actually. <laughs> This is where we discuss movie musicals in great detail, mm-hmm. uh, and we go through it all. We go through the plot, we give our review, we sometimes talk about recasting, mm-hmm. history, uh, trivia, exactly. lots of trivia, lots of trivia. Um, and this season, we've been doing a, a movie musical for each decade, starting in the '30s, and we have made our way to the. 80s. The 80s. And mm-hmm. before we say which one we're doing, just as a reminder, you can find us on Instagram at the Hills Are Alive Pod. Mm-hmm. So for the 1980s, yes, would you like to announce? We are doing. You already know because it's the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, I always forget about that. Uh-huh. Spoiler. The Ashman and Mencken Off Broadway classic. Off off Broadway. Off off. Now, well, I don't know about right now, but it did eventually make it to right. Broadway, but not until almost twenty years after yeah. the movie was released. Well, it was Howard Ashman's intent for it to never go to Broadway. Oops. Oops. Uh it was directed by Frank Oz. Mm-hmm. Most of you probably recognize that name. If you don't already know who he is, he is the guy behind many Muppets. Uh-huh. Uh, not many miniature Muppets, but multiple Muppet characters. Yes. Uh, he was the original Miss Piggy, mm-hmm. Fozzie Bear, Animal, Sam Eagle. He was also a bunch of Sesame Street characters, mm-hmm. including Cookie Monster, Bert, and Grover. And part of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, that and that, that. if you don't know him from Muppets, you definitely know him, or you at least know his voice yes. as Yoda. Anything puppet-related? He was probably, was probably a part of it. Yeah. Which is interesting, because he never wanted to be a puppeteer. He met Jim Henson when he was 19, and he was working at this place called Children's Fairyland of Oakland. Mm-hmm. I guess Henson was working there, too. And they were part of, like, a puppet troupe called the Vagabond Puppets. And then, like, a year later, Henson asked, do you want to come work with me on this project? And the rest is history. It, yeah. He spent the next 30 years doing puppet stuff. Yeah. And then when he retired, he said, I never wanted to do that. <laughs> Not that he hated it, but he always really wanted to be more of a director. I love when he showed up in like real like acting roles. Do you remember him in do you remember the movie Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and uh, I Dan I didn't Aykroyd? see it, but I know what you're talking about. He plays a, a cop. Oh <laughs> really? He's like the he is admitting Dan Aykroyd to like booking him, basically. And they had planted like a bag of drugs on him and it's he says, This is PCP <laughs> Angel Dust. <laughs> You seen what this stuff does to kids? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't think I would even recognize him. And I say that after having uh, looked at multiple pictures of him yeah. over the past week. You would probably recognize him if you closed your eyes and listened to his voice. <laughs> Other, he has a more recognizable yeah. voice than face. For Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> Other notable movies that he did that don't involve puppets include Dirty Rotten Sca- Sca- Scoundrels. Mm-hmm. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. One of my favorites, What About Bob? Uh-huh. And another one of my favorites, Death at a Funeral. So, yeah, dark comedy. That's that's what we're dealing with here. Yeah. Dark musical comedy. 
Little yeah. Shop of Horrors. And, you know, it's supposed to be a satire of the traditional musical, but also like a satire of horror monster movies and, you know. Sure. Howard Ashman actually actually said out like a satire of Faust, you know, this. <laughs> <laughs> I really love this movie. I love it as a musical. I love it as a comedy. I love mm-hmm. it as a movie in general. I think that this is a musical for everyone. If you don't like musicals, you should still really see this movie. It is a musical. You cannot say it's not a musical, but I would almost call it a comedy before I'd call it a musical. Yeah, sure. Because all of the songs are funny. And it's not as earnest necessarily as as many they're musicals comedy can be. songs. And that's what I was reading I was watching this interview with Howard Ashman who he wrote the whole ad- adaptation from the um 1960 movie which right. was not a musical. So he wrote it and directed it, wrote all the lyrics and Alan Menken wrote the music, but um, he said that his that the reason why he thought it was as successful as it was was because these are accessible pop songs. It's not like yes. an operetta. It's not everything isn't so. The thing that he compared it to is West Side Story, where everything is so serious. And right. It, to, it is not that it's not melodrama. There's it's, no dancing games. Yes. No ballet in the streets of right. Skid Row. Nothing about this takes itself seriously, which right. is why people loved it so much. For those of you that haven't seen it, almost all of the songs are in the 1960s girl group kind of style. Yeah, to the point where one of the characters is named Ronette. All of them are named after girl groups. Yeah. It's, um, oh, Chiffon, Ronette. And oh, what? Crystal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I liked that. That little reference. Yeah. It was produced by David Geffen of the Geffen Company. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are familiar with them. Ooh, just, here's a, an interesting piece of trivia, actually, before I move too far away from the director. Guess who was originally slated to direct this movie? You will never guess. I'll just tell you. Okay. Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted to do it in 3D. And of that, yeah, have Audrey too, like... Yeah, but apparently, um, so the first writer of the 1960 movie, now this isn't verified. I actually, I read it on Wikipedia and they did not have a source. Uh So I I want that out there. We don't know if it's true. But rumor has it that the first writer, uh, Charles B. Griffith, sued some copyright infringement, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And obviously that didn't preclude the movie from happening, but it stalled things so much that Scorsese wound up, you know, um, committed to other Being pictures. Otherwise, yes. Um, and, and when he was going to be the director, actually Spielberg was going to be the producer. But again, the, it's, things slowed down and it just never came to fruition. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Can yeah. you imagine? Not really. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure yeah. it would be good. It's just like the whole thing of this movie and the musical itself is sort of like, you know... <laughs> Making gold out of a turd, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you just said turd. Well, I don't know what is the, what, polishing. It? No, that's that's a different thing. Because you know the the original show was like in this like rundown theater that Howard Ashman owned because they couldn't get it to be uh, produced in any other like off Broadway theater. After yeah, it was really off off, off Broadway. Off Broadway, yeah. yeah. And, but like 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 but that became like part of the 
allure of it was... It was almost as though they made it to become a cult classic. They never wanted it to be mainstream. Right. But once it got picked up by actual off-Broadway and went to um, the Orpheum... Yeah. And then... And then to West End as well. Guess who produced it on West End? Oh, was it Andrew Lloyd Webber? No. Oh, was the other one? Cameron McIntosh. Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We covered who produced and directed. I think you mentioned screenplays by Howard Ashman Uh and music by Miles Goodman and songs by Alan Menken. Uh Um, Starring. Rick Moranis uh-huh. as our main character, Seymour. Mm-hmm. Ellen Green as Audrey One. Reprising her role from theater. From the theater, mm-hmm. from the stage. Only person to reprise the role. Mm-hmm. Vincent Gardenia plays Mr. Mushnick. He, he joked that the only reason he got cast was because of his name. <laughs> How can he not make that joke? I saw that at the... Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. like Gardenia, he's the plant shop owner <laughs> i mean it's it's perfect mm-hmm. steve martin in a wonderful performance as or, um, or in the dentist yes and uh featuring the voice of levi stubbs as audrey too uh-huh who was in, from the, the four, four tops, tops. Yeah. yes the movie, even though it was never meant to be a big mainstream popular hit, uh, they did turn a profit at the box office. Cost them $25 million to make. They saw $39 million in box office sales. Mm-hmm. Also, I know we say this a lot, but apparently this was, at the time, the biggest budget movie that Warner Brothers had ever made. In fact, they were, so they shot the movie at Pinewood Studios in England. Mm-hmm. At the same time, Aliens was shooting across across the lot. Oh. Aliens' budget was only $18 million. Really? Yeah. Aliens? Aliens. So the second movie? I think, yeah, and that how, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think the first one was like 1980, so yeah. Yeah. So isn't that wild? That's crazy. You'd think a movie like Aliens uh-huh. would require... Yeah, it's fucking James Cameron, (laughs) king of (laughs) making the most expensive movies ever. Um, Are you so excited for For Avatar Avatar 2? (laughs) Yeah, I've been waiting with bated breath for... For 10 years. (laughs) It's been longer, hasn't it? It's been like 12. Probably. Yeah, Yeah, I I can't get over the fact that they're still like pursuing this (laughs) and that they're still using that stupid font. Have you seen... Yes, I was about to say Papyrus. Just look up Ryan Gosling SNL Oh, that's right. It was a Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Yeah. Great sketch. Or film bit, anyways. So, moderate success at the box office. Eventually gained huge cult status as, you know, most of the movies that we discuss that weren't immediately successful. Don't become successful. Well, eventually do, you know. I don't know. As far as, like, The Wiz, like, wasn't successful, became a huge cult classic. Yeah, I guess so. we've discussed, I mean. Should we... I don't know, should we jump in? I've got... Lots and lots of trivia, but I feel like it's probably easier to just hit on it as we as we work our way through the yeah, class. Sure. Um, although, why don't why don't I, why don't we go ahead and do this? Yeah. Do you have a letter grade? I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for an A. Yeah, I'm giving it an A. Yeah. I mean, it is just a lot of fun. It's so much fun. The music is so good. It's only ninety minutes. Yeah. And to, to have an opening number like Skid Row is just like, it's so 
good and just introduces the characters wonderfully. When we open, we first see the, the girls, the chorus. Uh-huh. Uh, this is who we mentioned earlier, Ronette, Crystal, and Chiffon. Yeah. And they're like a, gr- a trio of like a group, a girl I mean, they're group. a classic Greek chorus. Exactly. They're always yeah. there to sort of navigate the plot and introduce new scenes and mm-hmm. people. Um, and sort I of, love and that. And to sort of discuss the morality of what's going on and like kind of be like an not only not only be the the voice to the audience but also kind of be an inner monologue for the characters too you know to like discuss what they might be right what dilemmas they might be going through morally and they have also uh counterpart characters so we most often see them in girl group form Mm -hmm. but every now and then they show up as like street urchins yeah and in those scenes they actually interact with the characters whereas when they're the chorus it it appears as though the characters are oblivious to them. Mm -hmm. Um, But when they are acting as characters and interacting with the other cast members, um, yeah, I get what you're saying about their sort of stand-ins for the voice of reason and morality. And Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we open with them outside of this flower shop Mm -hmm. located on the corner of a very dirty street. And what's funny about the Frank Oz connection here is that it sort of starts with this... Kind of Star Wars spoof of like oh that's right it dies the like background for the story yeah coming it through, goes uh, like scrolling on text. on the twenty third day of the month of September in an early year of a decade not that long ago yeah <laughs> something like yeah it's very like uh, cumbersome um, yeah it is pretty funny yeah mm-hmm. we get the scrolling text and it's it's largely pointless so it's definitely just setting you up to know this is a funny movie right. And when we hit our our stage scene, uh, we're on just like a gross, dirty street. They take us inside this flower shop that is completely run down. You don't even see any flowers in it. There's not really any plants in it, yeah. It's very brown and dull and drabby. Mm -hmm. And this is where we first see Mr. Mushnick, the flower shop owner, reading his paper. And we meet Seymour. What's his last name? Seymour Crow. Oh, it's like about about I don't remember. I think it starts with a K. Yeah, it's like Kel. No, Krellborn. 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 Yeah, something like that. He's Seymour. Yeah, we see Seymour downstairs, um, just like yeah, just being a nerdy class. And Mushkin is or Mushnik. Mushnik. Mushnik is yelling at him. He's like, "Oh yes, sir." He's very like timid and. pushover. So while Seymour is downstairs, he turns on the radio and we hear that there was a mysterious full solar eclipse unexpected that occurred the the Thursday before. Mm-hmm. And minor detail, but I really appreciated this. When he turns the radio on, you actually hear the speaker on the radio uh, finishing the last story mm-hmm. it, it doesn't turn on to like the immediate story that everybody's interested in because right. that's not how it works that's not how radio it always works. i know and it just always <laughs> bugs me how in movies and tv they turn the news on and they're just like immediately talking about the thing that we need at to the know be- starting at the beginning yeah. of what you need to know about yeah. yeah and it's just like half a sentence but i i noticed it and i appreciated it yeah um at this point audrey shows up for work she also works at the flower shop Sort of. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's like showing up at the very end of the day for her morning shift. And she's supposed to be this sort of tragic 
Skid Row character. Uh, what was it? The, JJ watched this with me. The, my husband watched this with me the other night, and he was doing the voice. Uh, I think it's towards the end when she slaps Seymour, and she goes, Seymour, you're, you're hysterical. <laughs> I can absolutely hear JJ saying that in my head. Seymour. But yeah, we we get from this interaction that um, she is in an abusive relationship. Yeah, she has a black eye. Yeah, and that's essentially why she's late, because her boyfriend has roughed her up again. Mm -hmm. Seymour comes in, uh, and he actually comments how she looks radiant. Mm -hmm. He said, about her black eye, he says, is that new eye makeup? Yeah, (laughs) which it's, I thought that was cute. I mean, he's helpless. Mm -hmm. Um, And and this is where the Crystal Rana and Chiffon characters are introduced as their alter egos. They sort of just walk by on the street, right? Yeah. Um, It took me a minute. I had to make sure that was, like, I had to pause it and look it up to make sure I wasn't um, being, like, super racist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Are these three black women the only other black women that we've seen so far? Three black women must be them. It, but they were. They it were. Wa- they, they were. It, it was. And, and yeah, so now we're going into Skid Row. Uh-huh. Super fun song. The chorus, the, the girls as the chorus, and the community are basically just singing about how shitty it is there. Yeah. But hey, it's home. And the girls are sort of taking you on this tour of Skid Row while uh, yes. while everybody is having their little solos. For yeah. me, it gave me very strong Les Mis vibes. Yes, at the end of the day. Yeah, uh-huh. when, again, it's just people who are sad and filthy mm-hmm. singing about how much their home sucks. Mm-hmm. Right. At the end of the day, you're another day older. And that's all you can say for the life of the poor. <laughs> um, and this is where we get our first glimpse of this sort of like powerhouse voice that Audrey, Ellen Green, Audrey, has uh, with her little solo in the skid row. I don't know if I like particularly noticed that, uh-huh. to tell you the truth. I think these songs are meant to be easy to sing. They're songs that I think just about anybody could sing along with. I'm not, I don't say that to minimize the talent of everybody participating. Yeah. Um, well, like, I get what you're saying, because for instance, like in Suddenly Seymour, it's Ellen Green, who's a fantastic singer, can sing it very well, but so can Rick Moranis. I know, and I was really surprised because in this first song, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm glad that they let Rick Moranis just sort of be Rick Moranis. Yeah. He does have a good voice, and it's clear he can carry a tune, but his first lines are kind of that talk-singy sort of vibe, Yeah, that sort of sound. And so I was just sort of thinking, like, oh, good, I'm glad they're not trying to, like, force... You know, like, you know, like Johnny Depp, whenever he sang in um, Sweeney Todd, I just remember thinking, like, Johnny Depp is not a singer. Why do they force this to happen? Right. And like... um, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, yeah, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, but later on, we do see that Rick Moranis really can sing. He can sing, and it's not forced, and it's, like, obviously not, like, a trained singer, but it doesn't seem like they're forcing him into, like... It's not strained no. at all. No. Yeah. Um, but especially now that I've learned that um, she was the Broadway or the off-off-Broadway, whatever, the stage actress as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that obviously suggests that she does yeah. have very powerful vocals. Well, just so she, just the fact that she can go from Seymour <laughs> to her, like, this belting voice is like, 
I would love yeah. to hear, and I didn't see any um, like videoed interviews, but I would love to hear what her actual natural actually speaking yeah, voice is. Yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> um, so in this song, it's okay. It's six o'clock. They haven't had a single sale mm-hmm. all day long. Mr. Mushnick tells Seymour and Audrey, "Don't even bother coming in tomorrow. Yeah, go home. Don't come. Like, don't come in tomorrow. We don't have any business." He's thinking about closing. Basically. Yeah, and that's when Seymour says. But wait, I have an idea. Uh-huh. He wants to take the shop in a new direction. Um, and in order to do that, he, he he runs down and he says, I've got this plant. Mm-hmm. I've got this super weird plant. I think if we put it in the window, mm-hmm. it's going to draw customers in. What about that weird plant you've been working on? <laughs> it's highly unusual. Uh-huh. Um, I, I have a feeling even if you haven't seen this movie, you know what the plant looks like. Yeah. It's essentially like... At this point, it's just a little baby, mm-hmm. but it is a big old Venus flytrap yeah. kind of looking thing. And when they first built the puppet for the stage, they said that they wanted wanted it to be like a giant Venus tri- flytrap meets an avocado. Oh, that is what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great description. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, he So uh, Seymour brings it up. He says that he's named it Audrey 2. Mm-hmm. After Audrey, and she seems flattered. And it's an ongoing joke in the show that, like, people aren't putting together that it's named after Audrey. Audrey. Yeah. <laughs> Even her boyfriend is like, huh, interesting name. You're just like, <laughs> well, and he is supposed to be Dumb. an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing I love most about this scene is as soon as they stick it in the window, and do you, did you see who that is? I know. It's Christopher Guest. <laughs> I did not recognize him. Me it's been either. a long time since I saw a young Christopher Guest, even mm. though I do watch Waiting for Guffman. But um, he's so heavily like, and, made um, up. And what's it called? Spinal Tap. Yeah. Every so often. But yeah, I did not. I, could, I didn't recognize him He's sort him of all. a shapeshifter. Like, Absolutely. When you put him in makeup and costume and hair and stuff. He is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love a good cameo. And even in, like, he's even unrecognizable in, like, Princess Bride. He's that, the, yeah, that's the... Have we not talked about this? You haven't seen it? Yeah. Oh. That's, Ugh. like, the one I haven't seen. Um, <laughs> anyways. So we go into the song, Doo-Doo, or is it Doo-Doo? Doo-Doo? Doo-Doo and Grow on Me. Yes. Grow for me. Which is basically the story of how Seymour came to be in possession of this plant. Yeah, um, essentially we learn that he was just walking down the street one day. He went down to the Chinese flower shop where he often finds unusual plant varieties. Mm -hmm. And he didn't see anything good that day. So he was about to leave. But then the eclipse happened. Right. And Which he looked at directly. (laughs) He looked at directly. (laughs) It was totally unexpected. Nobody knew this eclipse was coming. I don't know if you guys uh, were able to watch the eclipse a few years ago. But everybody knew it was coming. Yeah, and did (laughs) not stop talking about it for a long time. Yeah. Um, And it was neat. But anyways, I can imagine um, that an unexpected eclipse would be slightly terrifying. But everybody Mm -hmm. seems to just move on from it. After the sunlight returns... All of a sudden, there is an interesting plant mm-hmm. that he notices. And we, what we've seen that he hasn't is that it's sort of like shot there with a laser beam. Yeah. And I mean, I don't really know how he thought it got there. Yeah. I guess I wouldn't have made the connection between an eclipse and a, and a plant I probably just overlooked. Yeah. I wouldn't assume but... aliens. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So that's where he gets the plant from. Um, He 
he brings it back. Everybody at the flower shop is now on board, but um, they need him to keep the plant healthy. They yes. need it to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. So he takes it downstairs. Yes. And he's trying to give it plant food, and it and it's cute. It's this, really cute yeah. at this at this little teeny tiny baby stage because yeah. it like. And this is the genius of Frank Oz. It's just amazing how a plant that doesn't have any facial features whatsoever at this point, you can actually see it communicating yeah. with Seymour. Like when he tries to offer it different forms of food, it just sort of like slumps over and looks sad. Yeah. Until um, he accidentally pricks his finger on a rose thorn. Right. And the plant he, suddenly perks up. Yeah. And he starts sucking on his right that's right and so then the The plant plant starts starts, making the same noise yeah which is gross just (laughs) i know it's like suckling yeah and eventually seymour puts it together that he's like mimicking the sucking sound because he wants the blood from his finger as well so he decides to appease uh the plant which he has started affectionately called uh calling tui he decides to to give him some some blood at this point he's singing The song, Grow For Me. Yes. Mm -hmm. In the next scene, we meet Seymour and Tui in a recording studio for WSKID Skid Row Radio. And at this point, it's grown. It's grown a little bit. The the blood has given it um, the the fuel to grow a little bit. Yes. And they are about to appear on Wink Wink Wilkinson's Weird World. Wink is played by John John Candy. John Candy, yep. They actually first offered John Candy the role of Mushnick, which, I, you know, anytime I see John Candy, I love it. I love it. So I would yeah. have loved to see more John Candy in this movie. However, I thought giving him the role of um, of Wink, Weird Wink, <laughs> was yeah. kind of cool, too. It, it made it more of a cameo, and like I said, I love a good cameo. Yeah. Um, but before they get in uh, and start talking to him on the show, the plant does something kind of important. Um, there's a there's a lady that works for the radio station. She walks over and says, you're on next. And she bends over a desk to look at a, a paper or something. And again, this is just like more really great um, moments from Frank Oz. The plant, like, the plant, basically her, her butt is right in the plant and Seymour's face. And um, Seymour, a respectful gentleman, doesn't even notice. Mm -hmm. But the plan is looking at it. And then it's like it looks up at Seymour almost as if to say, like, are you seeing this Mm -hmm. right now? Um, And then he realizes, like, nope, he doesn't. And he so the plant starts going in for a for a bite for a little nibble. Right. And not not in a sexual way. It's in a in a I need to eat people. Yes. Right. (laughs) Um, and again like the plant doesn't really have any facial features at this point so i'm just always impressed when they're able to give like a level of communication just through the movement of the the puppet yeah Yeah. um they go in they record with uh wink wilkinson and um i don't know what happens next what i have next is that the girls are trying to tell audrey to dump her boyfriend and go for seymour yeah, outside, they run into Audrey. They can tell she's had a rough night. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, yeah, she she tries to justify her boyfriend, whose name is Oren. Uh, she tries to justify his behaviors in all sorts of ways. The but, girls are trying to convince her, you got to leave this guy. Yeah. 
Um, and at this point, we we find out that she actually does have a feelings for Seymour. Right, but she's afraid of leaving her and current she, boyfriend. And she thinks that she's not good enough for Seymour. Yes, the girls point out she's got self-esteem problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we do learn that she she is, I think, with good reason, afraid of what his reaction will be, yeah. the boyfriend's reaction will be. She says something like, if this is how he treats me when he likes me, imagine what he would do if he's angry. And, you know... The way we're talking about it makes it sound really serious because, to be clear, domestic violence is always really serious. Mm -hmm. But it's really treated as, I mean, they're not treating domestic violence as a joke, but... They're treating the trope as a joke. The trope as a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess I could say that or I could see that. Um, I didn't really, I don't know. I don't really know what to take of it because the fact of the matter is when we do meet the boyfriend, it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, But it's hilarious how many links they go to to make us want to hate him. Yes. So I guess in that sense, I can see they're making a joke of the the whole trope of the bad woman. That's part of like... What's funny about the um, evolution of how this, uh, how the movie came from the show, came from the other movie, um, was that he, the Oren wasn't originally supposed to be abusive. And um, uh, Seymour was supposed to be this sort of like Faustian character who, you know, was so concerned with. You know, money and uh, physical thing. I mean, um, what am I trying to say? With material money and material things, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, he took. He went to this length to do that by like killing people, and in he originally killed a lot more people, and actually dies at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and we, we need to talk about the alternate, or the original ending for this movie, which yeah. does stick a lot more closely. It closely follows yeah. the stage production. Um, also, in the very first movie, The Little Shop of Horrors, um, she, Audrey is not dating the dentist, mm-hmm. at least not in the synopsis that I read. Yeah. The only way the dentist is really related to the whole thing is... You remember um, at some point in this movie, Seymour messes up an order for a, like, for it's for a, a funeral for a big family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Mr. She- Mushnick makes a joke about how, like, there's a ton of them and they're all dying and we're about to lose our best clients. Yeah. Um, in the first movie, that happens earlier on and he's messed up the order for the dentist. And so then later he's got a toothache and he has to go see the dentist. And because the dentist in that one is also a sadist, um, he's mad at Seymour and tries to kill him. Yeah. Whereas in, it, they get Seymour to the dentist office in this one, but it takes a totally different path. Yeah. Um, and again, it, it's mostly because the dentist is dating Audrey. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's less clear in this in the this film adaptation of it that like. The original was supposed to sort of be like a scathing rebuke of capitalism and like what lengths people will go to to yeah I didn't you know. I did not pick up on on that yeah in this one I didn't really think it related to capitalism at all mm-hmm. um, in fact one could argue well I'm not going to be the one but they 
I don't know. They, the end goal for Seymour and Audrey is to run away and have a small have life. The, I was no, I was going to say the quintessential American dream. Yeah, exactly. Which is in a way capitalism, is it not? Right. <laughs> you know. Well, that's the thing. Like her, her "I Want" song is about. You mean her "I Dreamed a Dream" song? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, that and that's where we are in the plot. Yeah. So why don't we go ahead and talk about that? Yeah. Sure. After the girls uh, tell her. You need a new man, and you need to fix your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. She goes inside and sings about how she knows uh, that Seymour is a good guy, but thinks that he's way too good for her. Mm-hmm. And all she dreams about is having, you know, a, a little ranch cottage with a perfectly manicured lawn. Mm-hmm. Plastic and, on the furniture. Yeah, plastic on the furniture. <laughs> um, pine salt scented air. Uh-huh. There's even like little cartoon birds that help her in the kitchen and and Tupperware parties. I cook like Betty Crocker and I look like Donna Reed. Oh, and and there is a shot of their two children who are just like perfect miniature versions of them that made me laugh a lot. (laughs) So it's established what Audrey wants, what her hopes and dreams are. Mm -hmm. And then we pretty much immediately go into another song. Some fun now. And this is the only one that kind of... Does well. It's not the only one, but it is one of the only ones that doesn't really keep the classic pop sound. It's got kind of like a calypso yeah. vibe. I think there's even some um, steel drums yeah. in there. It's got an islandy yeah. sort of fun vibe to mm-hmm. it because it, yeah, like you said, it's called some fun now. Yeah. And we see that things are just going pretty well for Seymour. He's found a lot of success with Audrey, too. Yeah, he's still using his own blood. And it, he, is, yeah. it, is it at this point that all of his fingers have Band-Aids on them? Many of them yes. do. <laughs> yeah, so you can. he's suffering, clearly, but things yeah. are, are going well. Things are on the up and up. Business is booming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's starting to sort of flail. Well, the a little plant bit. is like almost the size of a human. At this yeah, point. the plant has gotten real big. Mm-hmm. This is the scene where Seymour forgets to do the arrangement for. I think they said his name is Mr. Shiva, mm-hmm. and so he asks Audrey to help him put one together really quick, and, and it's she, so funny. And she just goes, uh, "Lilies." Like, <laughs> well, she, she takes lilies. She's Sprays them with um, adhesive. And glitter. And, yeah, and then just like... Throws <laughs> Yeah, just like little spritzes of glitter. <laughs> I've never once received um, glittered lilies. It's a bad arrangement. Friends, take note. It's not really an arrangement because it's just one type of flower loosely with in glitter. a vase with glitter on them. <laughs> it, it cracks me up. I want those flowers. Um, mm-hmm. um, while she's she's helping him out, Audrey, you know, ironically comments that Seymour has a low self image, mm-hmm. and he that should he should go get some new clothes. Yeah, he he needs to treat himself. Yeah, and she even offers to help him shop for new clothes, and so you can tell that they are really hitting it off. Mm-hmm. Things are building, and they're both very excited. But she can't help him out tonight because she's got a date. She always has a date. She always has a date uh, with her boyfriend. Mr. Mushnick comes in just to vocalize his objections. He doesn't like this guy. Mm -hmm. He says, what kind of of a professional drives a motorcycle and wears a black leather jacket? And then we cut to Steve Martin. Yes. (laughs) Riding his motorcycle, laughing mm-hmm. sort of maniacally in his black leather jacket. And he's got this ridiculous black wig. 
think even at this point in Steve Martin's career, like he had gray or white hair. So yes. to see him and with that pitch black hair itself yeah. is just hysterical. It's a, it's a sight gag, and I think it's supposed to be. Oh, but it, it works so well. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know about you guys, but pretty much I just have to see Steve Martin and I'm laughing. But yeah. in this scene in particular, yeah, the sight gag, as you called it, 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 they just nailed it. And this is the song Dentist with an exclamation mark, right? Dentist. So Oren, and I, I, he has a last name, but I, I couldn't, I don't remember it. This song is from him, and he's, he's singing about how he always wanted to be a dentist because he's always loved inflicting pain. Yeah. And as he's singing, he's like accidentally running into the nurse and and beating up on patients. And... He's also high. He's also addicted to laughing gas. Like. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. Yes. Um, and he keeps a shrine of his dead mother and yeah. his dental office. And the picture is very much a man. I tried to find out who it was. Yeah. I could only find one even mention of it. And it was on IMDb Trivia, which, in my opinion, is not always the best. Right. This person said that it was Henry Jones, who was an old old veteran actor. He appeared in, like, over 300 you know, pieces of film or or television. I couldn't find any verification of that. I couldn't... I mean, it does look like that actor, Henry Jones, but I couldn't figure out what was his connection to Little Shop. So I I don't know if that's supposed to mean anything, but you kind of have to think it does. Yeah. Anyways, if anybody knows... Yeah. Like Steve Martin, if you're listening. Yeah, slide into our DMs. (laughs) Frank Oz. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah, it's established or in... The worst. Yeah, and he and there's this also more puppet work. There's this shot from inside of this huge puppet. Oh, mouth. I loved that. Yeah. I I like. I mean, I know it's not. It did not originate on this show. But if you guys ever watched Good Eats with Alton Brown <laughs> <laughs> on the Food Network back in the day, but he would always do shots from like inside his refrigerator or inside his oven, uh-huh. and I always thought that was neat. So I call it the Alton Brown mm-hmm. Good Eats shot. And it's gr- uh, and it's gross but cool. The shot. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 funny. Mm-hmm. Back at the flower shop, Seymour is emptying out some pots when he hears some strange laughter coming from the alley. It's Oren. He's arriving on his motorcycle. Who is it that he runs? Is it Audrey or Seymour? He runs into one of them, and he's just laughing. He's like, "Relax. Want some nitrous oxide?" <laughs> I think it's Seymour. Yeah. <laughs> Suit yourself. Like I said earlier, he is comically over-the-top mean to Audrey. At this point, I think it's clear to everyone, like, oh, this dude is gonna get it from the plant, for sure. And I think that um, Oren Oren sees Audrey, too. They are in the same room together at some point during this interaction. Yeah. This will come up in just a minute, um, because Audrey, too, knows who Oren is now. Right. Um, and that is when Oren leaves is when Audrey 2 starts talking for the first time. Yeah. And Audrey 2 has gotten massive at this point, yeah. like much bigger than a person. Yeah. And um, we go into the song, Feed Me, Get It, in yeah. parentheses. Basically, basically begging hum- uh, Seymour to find him yeah. human. He uh, says, must be blood, yeah. must be fresh. Yes. And this song, this is another one where it doesn't totally maintain the 60s pop vibe it's it's sort of a more of like a more of a quintessential rock vibe than than like the 60s pop vibe 
And I, uh, that really only shows up for Audrey II's song. And I think that's intentional for, for his songs to be otherworldly. Uh, by the end of this song, Chewie has tried to persuade Seymour to continue giving him the human blood and flesh that he needs. He says um, he can get him anything he wants, mm-hmm. even Audrey, if he'll just bring him humans to eat. Yeah. And they sort of come to the conclusion, and this is when Audrey too is like, Oren's a bad guy. Like, you could feed right. me him. Yeah. Because <laughs> Seymour, Seymour is objecting, and, and then Oren appears again, yeah. and yeah, he sort of nudges. And um, what does he say? Like, the guy sure looks like plant food to me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we cut back to the dentist office, and we get another great cameo from... Bill Murray. Yes. Who is, is the he is the masochist to Steve Martin's sadist. Right. <laughs> Which actually pisses the sadist off because he likes it too much. But right. so a few things about this. Number one, surprisingly, this is the only time that Bill Murray and Steve Martin appear on screen together. Ever? Yeah. Like they may have been in another movie together. I couldn't think of any examples. But yeah. as far as being on screen, interacting with each other. Yeah. Only time. On the big screen. They probably shared the small screen on SNL or something. <sighs> Maybe. Were they even on at the same time? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. I mean, I love SNL, but I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't alive back then. Same. <laughs> um, Bill Murray, uh, another interesting thing here. He uh, ad-libbed all of his lines in this. They were all improvised. And uh, one last note before we can continue on. In the 1960 film, it was Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Yeah, <laughs> it was his third role ever, I yeah. think. And that, the fact that he was in it helped turn the earlier film into its own kind of cult classic. Mm-hmm. Um, the earlier film is the story behind it is wild. They they filmed it in like two or three days. Yeah. With a budget of $30,000, yeah. which, you know, with inflation, I read in 2019, that would be like 250000 And I think that it was only possible. They used a set from another movie. They did. They yeah. used a set from the movie A Bucket of Blood. Mm-hmm. And it was almost as though, like, they just wanted to, like, make full use of that set. So yeah. they're like, what can we do? Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty impressive. It, it's, it's definitely what you would call a B or a C or a D movie. But, you know, like a true cult classic. Not mm. to say that this isn't, but, you yeah. know, just a movie that, like, only film nerds right. would know. But the fact that Jack Nicholson was in it, they were able to use that as a marketing device later on. It a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, back to Bill Murray. He, like you said, he is a total masochistic weirdo who's just, like, really excited mm-hmm. to have dental work done. As he is waiting to go in the room, he hears screaming coming from the other patient, and he is more and more excited. As that patient finally walks out, she's wearing this, like, crazy metal contraption. And we have another cameo, and this is uh, Heather Henson, Jim Henson's daughter. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if you can call it a cameo, because she's not recognizable. Yeah. She really didn't do much other on-camera work, yeah. but that is his daughter. So that's and fun. She's wearing like this huge headgear. And if it's like, and it's unclear, because she's like screaming when she's coming out, and it's unclear whether she's like at, like screaming for help or like trying to warn Bill Murray 
And he's like, I know, it's great, isn't it? (laughs) For someone who's not an actress, she does a really good job. Yeah. I would have been much too shy to do anything like that at her age. Uh Let's see. Seymour sneaks in while Oren is working on Arthur. Mm -hmm. Um, As I mentioned earlier, Oren is is actually getting increasingly frustrated because he likes to hurt people and Arthur is enjoying it too much. Right. So he kicks him out. But, but yeah, because of Bill Murray's like simulated <laughs> orgasm. I did, I did not take it that way. What? He's, it, you really? He's like, oh, oh, it's like. I get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My mind, my mind was not there. Um, I'm not saying you're wrong. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. It's right after that that Oren's like, okay, this is even too weird for me. <laughs> Get out of here. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> um, so Orin sees Seymour waiting when he kicks Arthur out. He's brought a, he's brought a gun because his intention is to kill him and bring him back to... Yeah, to 86 him real uh-huh. quick. While he's in the chair, uh, another really funny moment from Steve Martin. He, he says, I find a little giggle gas before I begin. Increases my pleasure enormously. So he gets like super stoned. He has this... This contraption that that's supposed to like feed him gas nitrous oxide intermittently. Yeah, Um, but he gets basically so high that he can't turn it off. It causes him to suffocate, Mm -hmm. and and once it's uh, clear that he's dead, he's dead. uh, Seymour plans to remove his body and take it back to the flower shop. He tries to do it very sneakily and makes as much noise as possible. And Mushnik. He surprisingly no one catches him until Mushnik comes around the shop and sees him chopping up the body. Yeah. And he doesn't know that Seymour didn't actually kill Oren. I mean, at this point, what does it matter? Like he was gonna kill. I mean, we think he was going to. He may not have actually gone. Yeah, I mean, he did go with a gun, but you know, who knows? Yeah. But it's also like so many killers. Their defense is always like, I didn't kill him. I just chopped him up. Right. (laughs) Uh, It's a different crime. Isn't that what he said? Isn't that what, what's his name said? The jinx? Um, Yeah, I think so. Robert Durst. Robert Durst said about that roommate that he had. Yeah. Because it's the difference between like premeditated murder and improper disposal of a body. Right. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Mushnik sees him, but he doesn't. He doesn't call him out right mm-hmm. away. Uh, later on, Seymour can't sleep. Uh, I mean, he's he's just up all night. Like yeah. he, you can tell that he is really uh, wrestling with his actions. Yeah. So in the morning, he goes upstairs. He sees Audrey talking to two police detectives mm-hmm. across the street where she lives. Yeah. He goes out to ask what's going on, and Audrey and she tells says, him. Could, they say it could be foul play. Yeah, or it has disappeared, and she is really, she's relieved, but she's also very scared that something really bad could have happened. Right. Um, as as awful as he is, she still hates to think that um, he could have gotten hurt, and she blames herself for wishing that something would happen to yeah. him to to remove well, him from her life. He asks her. He says, "Would it be that bad if something bad did happen?" And she's right. like. Well, it would be a miracle. <laughs> um, so obviously, she wanted she, she wanted something to happen to him, but she also doesn't want to be responsible cosmically yeah. for something happening. She, to yeah, him. I mean, she she is she's very sweet mm-hmm. deep down. And this is where she said that 
Oren says that Oren is the type of guy that she thinks that she deserves. She says that she deserves a Orin. terrible life, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. So we hit at this point um, the big song. The big song. The ballad. Mm-hmm. This is Suddenly when they're finally, yeah, they're finally telling each Revealing other. Revealing their love. Exactly. Yes. And even before this song starts, Seymour says something very uh, important, which is that he respects her. Yeah, because the whole point is, like, Seymour is here for you. Seymour is your friend. Not Seymour wants to have lots of sex. Yeah. Babies. Yeah. That stuff. I I don't know. Okay, let's move on. I I love this song. I I don't particularly, I mean, don't particularly like the part of it where he's, like, talking about she needs to take off her makeup and blah, blah, blah. Like, she likes that stuff, but... Well, when she's not using it to cover up her bruises. Exactly. Um, Seymour returns back to the flower shop, and mm-hmm. he is so head over heels for Audrey that he doesn't even notice that it's Audrey too, that is, it's manipulating its vines to open the door for yeah. him because he's he's just like floating, yeah. you know. Mister Mushnick is there at the flower shop though, waiting to confront Seymour about what he believes happened to mm-hmm. Oren. Seymour does admit to chopping him up, but again, I didn't kill him. I just chopped him up. And Mushnick pulls a gun on him and demands that he go to the police. Mm -hmm. So then we get to Supper Time, another song. And essentially, well, first of all, I want to comment, like, don't you think the song kind of has like a disco-y vibe to it? I don't remember I felt how like it, it sounds. Yeah. Well, ignore that then. Okay. Except for time, it's just about the plant wants to eat. Yeah. Uh, Mid song, Mishnik actually proposes to Seymour. How about this? Since you are like a son to me, um, I won't force you to go to the police if you get out of town and you tell me how to take care of the plant so that I can keep profiting off of it. Right. At this point, we see the plant behind Mushnick. Obviously it's got an appetite. Yeah. And and Mushnick Mushnick keeps moving uh backwards closer and closer to Audrey Two until mm-hmm. um Audrey Two is able to just snatch him up. Right. And again, it still wasn't Seymour who did anything. Although he could have said like, hey, stop backing up, but Whatever. I mean, when Seymour realized the plant lives off of human blood, he could have just not given, given it, it blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, things were a lot of things were on the line. Again, Audrey too is his deal with the devil. Hindsight mm-hmm. is twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, with Mushnik gone and the plant pretty happy, Seymour is rising to the top. We're getting yeah, all good things are happening and. I imagine that Seymour thinks that they're happening because Audrey 2 is making them happen. Because he said because Audrey 2 says like I can I can get you Audrey, I can get you success, blah 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 and all those things are happening. Yes. Because of the Everything he said would happen is happening. Yes, exactly. We go through a montage. We see that they want him on the cover of Life magazine. Is this the meat show inherit? Yes, hosting his own weekly gardening show. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another pretty musically song, I would I would say, but it mostly just serves as the backdrop. It's a spinning to newspaper the, montage. The montage. Yeah. <laughs> so a news crew is at the shop to spotlight Seymour, but as they're filming, Audrey too completely wilts, and when it wilts, it just slumps over like. Yeah. <laughs> 
she, yeah, I mean, it's clear she needs, I, I I kept calling it a she. I was very interchangeable between he, she, and it. Yeah. But the plant, Audrey, too, needs food. And Seymour becomes pretty distraught with all the attention and just uh, recognizing what's going on. Uh, and he kicks everybody out. Yeah. He, he really can't handle taking care of the plant and the moral repercussions and the media attention. It's all too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Audrey shows up and sort of she's like she sort of slaps him out of it but it's not really a slap it's it's literally just a Seymour just a little tap you're hysterical a little boop <laughs> you're hysterical it's like the opposite of that share scene snap, snap out. out of it yeah it's not that <laughs> um, he he runs to the alley Audrey follows behind mm-hmm. him tries to cheer him up and she says that the TV men are bringing back money they can take that money and run away yeah so he realizes okay this is their chance if, yeah. if they're gonna come tomorrow with this big check like audrey says mm-hmm. um then then we could escape so he proposes he asks her to marry him she accepts and he says let's go do it right away we'll go to city hall and then tomorrow we'll leave forever mm-hmm. so audrey runs off to go pack her bags and get on a white dress yeah and um seymour in turn goes to pack his things and he he tries to sneak out without audrey too spotting him but of course it doesn't go that way mm-hmm. audrey too spots him and demands you know feed me and he says i'm just gonna run to the butcher for some ground round and while he's away Audrey, too, manages to... Make a phone call. Yeah, he uses his vines to first go to the cash register. Get and he quarter. takes out a quarter. <laughs> and then he goes to the payphone And he puts the quarter in. And he makes a phone call to Audrey 1. Uh-huh. And I thought he was going to, like, do a voice, do something to, like, disguise that it's the plant. But no, he's like, look out the window. Like, it's Here me. I am, baby. So he Audrey agrees to come over and he hangs up the payphone and then of course like checks like to see if there was any change <laughs> that comes back. Uh, but Audrey comes over and Audrey too tries to talk her into giving it a drink. Uh, at this point, she doesn't know what that means. Yeah. And he wraps his his vines around Audrey and pulls her closer and closer. And then she's halfway in his mouth before Seymour comes back in. Yeah, and he's able to wrestle her out of the mouth. Just in time. And and Seymour explains everything, you know, says at first everything was great. And, and he says he had to keep it up because the plant made Audrey like him, like mm-hmm. Seymour. And of course, she stops him and says, I've liked you all along. Yeah. It's very cute. And um, they do, is this where they do Suddenly The reprise, yeah, yeah, of Suddenly Seymour. And this is where we have another cameo. Who, what I guess he might not have been very well known at this time. But I think he was. It's Jim Belushi. Yeah, it's Jim yeah. Belushi. And, you know, the role was originally played by somebody else whose name I forget. Sorry. I want to say his last name is Dooley. Anyways, he was not available for reshoots. So they had to reshoot his entire role with oh, Jim Belushi. Yeah. So he, does, he is thanked. The original actor uh, gets a special thanks in the credits. Oh. On the director's cut release of this movie on DVD, they actually included the original 
actor oh. and and switched it and give a special thanks to Jim Belushi. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. James Belushi as he's credited. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he shows up as Patrick Martin and he is a licensing and marketing agent yeah. for World Botanical Enterprises. Has all of these money-making ideas. He wants to grow and breed little Audrey twos yes. and sell them worldwide. There'll be one in every household. Seymour obviously sees this cannot happen. Yeah. And he runs off um, and resolves to kill Audrey too before anybody else yeah. gets hurt. So Seymour confronts Audrey too, um, <laughs> and um, Seymour accuses Audrey too of wanting world domination all along. To which Seymour replies, "No shit, Sherlock." Audrey, yeah, Audrey too. Uh, yeah, 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 Audrey too replies. Yeah, um, and he sings their original song for the film. The obligatory original song, uh-huh. Mean, mean Green, Green Mother, Mother from, from Outer Space. space. Yeah. And yeah, this is where they just explain that and, he's from Outer Space. And this further confuses <laughs> Audrey II's gender. Because usually in this context, like, I'm a Mean Green Mother, it's like, is this short for Motherf- motherfucker? Yeah, motherfucker. Or now, now Audrey II has all these little babies... Yeah, like imagine a spider plant and how it always makes those stupid little babies. Uh-huh. Like that's what seem uh, Audrey too has done. Yes. Yeah. So not so they are a motherfucker, but also a mother of lots of little babies. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. What gender is your spider plant? <laughs> um, she them. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> so. Uh, the fun thing about all the little plant babies is that they do know how to harmonize. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. While the while Seymour is not looking, Audrey too. Oh, you're right. So okay, sorry. Back up. Audrey uh, Seymour <laughs> brings out the gun. Yes. But while he's like kind of distracted by the harmonizing plant babies, Audrey too manages to, to get the gun. Get the gun, and then the plant is shooting at him. And, and, and Seymour get gets the axe, get and he's chopping at it, yeah. and it's just pandemonium. Um, but Audrey, too, continues to grow stronger and stronger until his vines, its vines burst out of the walls, causing the building to collapse. He pulls out a support beam. Yes. Yeah. And um, everything comes crashing down, exposing some live wires, mm-hmm. which uh, Seymour smartly uh, grabs and uses it to electrocute... Audrey too until it just explodes into smithereens. Yes. Audrey has been watching. Audrey the girl has yeah. been watching across the street the whole time. Mm-hmm. She runs over and she's looking for Seymour. And he appears from the dust and rubble. From the rubble. Yes. Unharmed, unscathed. Uh-huh. They marry. They marry. They end up in the actual fantasy house that she had fantasized about. The suburban ranch cottage. With the with the fence of real chain link. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one little surprise. One little shot at the end. A little Audrey too mm-hmm. has managed to survive and follow them all the way to suburbia. Uh-huh. Dun, dun, dun. Fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just such a fun watch. I mean, it's... It is such a fun and watch. And guess what, Kelsey? What? what? This movie is only about 93 minutes I long. I know, we already said that. <laughs> The other good news is, as of this recording in June 2022, it is on HBO Max. It is, yeah. So if you've got that, highly recommend that you go watch it while mm-hmm. you can. Um, I have no idea how long it will be on there for. Also watch Howard on 
Disney Plus. Also streaming currently is Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I mean, watch it if you want to, but we're not going to talk about it. So I mentioned, I'm just going to dive real quick into Academy Awards and Golden Globes. I mentioned Mean Green Mother from Outer Space was their obligatory entry for Best Original Song. Mm -hmm. Did not win. Um, The winner, I mean, this was a tough year. The winner was Take My Breath Away from Top Gun. Oh. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. Also nominated that year was your song, yours and Jordan's song. Somewhere Out There. Somewhere Out There mm-hmm. from An American Tale, Fifle Goes West. Yes. Uh, this is the classic Alex and his sister Jordan karaoke number. Yes. Speaking of harmonizing, right? You guys sound even better than the Plant Babies. So, which, which, what one? Take my breath away. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, take my breath away. One. There are a couple other nominees that I don't really uh, recognize. Uh, Glory of Love from the Karate Kid Part Two, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, something called Life in a Looking Glass from the movie That's Life. Didn't what's what didn't that didn't Rocky Four come out this year too, or is that the next year? I did not see Rocky in any. I only read a few categories. So I though. bet Eye of the Tiger would have been nominated. Oh well, yeah, I don't think it was this year yeah. then. Um, it was also nominated for Best Visual Effects. No surprise here, Aliens wound up winning yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. Other notable nominee would have been Poltergeist 2. Again, I didn't recognize. Or actually, excuse me, no, on this one there were only three nominees. Yeah. So, Poltergeist 2, Aliens, the winner, and um, our movie, Little Shop. Yeah. Golden Globes, it was nominated for Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. Mm-hmm. It was up against Hannah and Her Sisters, Crimes of the Heart, Crocodile Dundee, down and out in Beverly Hills, and Peggy Sue got married. I'm guessing that Hannah and her sisters won. Correct. Okay. It was also nominated for Best Original Score. This one was interesting. The other nominees included Top Gun, Round Midnight, The Mosquito Coast, and The Mission. And The Mission won. I don't, yeah, I don't know what that is. But the Top Gun music is so iconic at this point. This is for score, not song. But the but I mean the score the okay I haven't seen Top Gun okay. either so <laughs> there are numerous movies from the eighties that I never got around to seeing <laughs> yeah. I'm working on it to my I mean to, to your credit I was the youngest of four and they were all like well older than me so like all you were exposed, exposed to these movies yes yes. I, I've got some more trivia, but do you want to? Is there anything else you want to tell us about the stage show? Well, there's a couple of things. Well, first of all, it was not eligible for any Tonys, mm. um, but it did win. Wait, why is that? Because it wasn't on Broadway. Like, yeah. what, is that true? Like, you have to be on Broadway to yeah. get nominated for a Tony. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Uh, How... Or at least, or at least be off. I mean, closer to off Broadway. Talk about gatekeeping, right? Um, let's see. Uh, it won several awards, though, in that in the 1982-83 season. Won the Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Musical, the New York Drama Critics Circle Award for Best Musical, the Outer Critics Circle Award. Um, let's see. Oh, and this is where it says Howard Ashman wrote in the introduction to the acting edition of the li- libretto. Um, so basically the, the script that they send out to other companies that will be performing it. It satirizes many things. It's coming directly from him. It satirizes many things. Science fiction, 
B-movies, musical comedy itself, and even the Faust legend. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then it was moved, uh, like I said, to the Orpheum, which actually is off-Broadway, and moved to West End, where Cameron McIntosh produced. Now, can you be off-Broadway and nominated for a Tony? See, I don't know. But it wasn't until after its initial run that it moved to the Orpheum. So the thing is, I thought that maybe you don't have to be on Broadway. Because wasn't Hadestown off-Broadway and it was nominated for Tony's? Uh, I, well... Yeah, I don't think it was nominated for Tony's until it moved to... This is fascinating. Broadway. We will report back, yeah, we'll everybody, out in like that. six weeks. Yeah. Um, if, not, if not longer. No promises. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, let's see. Oh, so I, another question for you. I saw a picture of Ellen Green performing alongside Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Was he Seymour in the Broadway production? I don't think so. Or was so. that just like uh, a one-off? Was, that was just like a concert, I think, that they I did. just thought it was interesting to have Jake Gyllenhaal not... I mean, it. There, there's nothing wrong with it, but I have to imagine Ellen Green would have been... She has to be like what in her, in her 50s at this point in yeah, this picture. Her 60s, yeah. I'm guessing it was like this early only, 2000s. This is only a few years ago. Oh, um, okay, so it was yeah. really recent. Yeah, and yeah, I think that they just brought her back to like reprise her role and like had someone come fill in for Seymour. Right. Yeah. Because usually when it's do... a big celebrity, it's not a full run. Yeah, and this I think this was just like a concert where they were having her come perform. Sure. Ooh. But we we love Jake Gyllenhaal. We'd yeah. love to see him do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of. Do you have any recast ideas? I have a few. Okay. So the fun thing about this movie is for Seymour, really just about any mediocre white dude can do it. <laughs> they don't even have to be white. To be, yeah, Seymour's supposed to be an everyman. Really, they don't even have to be a dude. Like, Seymour could be anyone. So naturally, I went with Russell Crowe. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> no, Um. and I'm not saying that these guys are mediocre by yeah. any means. Nor is Rick Moranis, but... Yeah. My first thought was uh, John Mulaney. Okay. I, I love what John Mulaney's been doing on SNL and mm-hmm. his latest appearances. He yeah. always does a big musical number. You can tell he's a real fan. The refreshing thing about this one is that they're not required to be... These characters don't have to be, like, 17. <laughs> no, they do I know. That really is such a relief. Yeah. Um, my other thought was Josh Gad. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because and he he would bring a really I think he could bring that like klutzy, mm-hmm. goofball kind of element to it. Yeah. What about you for Seymour? For Seymour, I thought that Nick Jonas would be a good choice. <laughs> Nick Jonas. <laughs> I mean, if if they can like. Make him look a Nerd little... Nerd him up a little bit. Yeah. yeah and but, it's going to require more than just a pair of glasses. But I could see him fitting into that, like, sort of meek, meek role. I don't know. Nick Jonas really, I think, did a lot to establish himself as a grown-up. Like, as a, I'm, a, I'm an adult. I'm a sexy guy. Totally. I'm not a Disney kid But I don't anymore. think that he takes himself particularly seriously. No, probably not. But also, you remember... You've seen the Sarah Lee sketch from SNL with Harry Styles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Harry would be good based on his characterization in that. I mean, okay. Harry Styles is a beautiful man. (laughs) Um, I'm not saying no, Mm -hmm. but can it be done? Can they, can they, can they do that? I don't know. Like you said, it doesn't require much on the part of Seymour. 
I mean, it does, but it doesn't. I'm just saying, there's a big leap between Josh Gad and Harry Styles. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I'd watch it. Yeah. I'd watch it. I would entertain it. Um, and also, okay, so as far as Audrey goes, it's been known that Ariana Grande loves to sing suddenly seemingly. she has the voice yeah. to be audrey too like she can do audrey that yeah, yeah not to be audrey also yeah. she has the right voice <laughs> yeah like she can do that really yeah high-pitched kind of like her yeah like timid. her her voice from nickelodeon that she did was, absolutely yeah. yeah i think that ariana could do it i also said and um, there's like a million youtube videos of her singing it she obviously loves the musical. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah. I, I like when people love love the work and you can really tell. Yeah. Um, did, did you have any others for, for Audrey 1? Um, I did have a couple of ideas. Well, okay. So I think that the idea of... So I saw this performance, and I don't know if it was from like a limited run that happened recently, but of MJ Rodriguez as Audrey. Oh, right. Yeah, you sent that to me. And I I love the idea of Audrey as a trans woman of color. And like, For those that don't know, MJ Rodriguez is one of the lead uh, stars on Pose. Yes. I think that show just ended, mm-hmm. but she was in um, all four seasons. Yes. Yeah. Great actress. Great actress. Great singer. Yes. Um, so, and especially during Suddenly Seymour... Um, it's like the girl that's inside me. Like I start watching, I started crying. Um, so I th- I love the I-, I love the idea of rethinking Audrey in that way. I th- I think the hardest thing about Audrey is finding someone that pairs well with Seymour. Yeah, because I didn't I- necessarily think the pairing of them in that performance was great. Right. It was more like the 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 radical thought of Audrey being a trans woman. Yes. But again, like, even with Audrey, I don't think you necessarily have to look or be... Anything. You really don't. Yeah. These are all very easily accessible characters. Archetypal characters. Um, I I was thinking, in addition to Ariana, because that's really where my mind went first. Yeah. Uh, the next place I went was Anna Ferris. Oh. I mean, come on. The house bunny. Like, that is her. I think she can. I don't know. I I believe she can. Yeah. I want to believe she can. I bet. You know who I bet would be good would be uh, Renee Zellweger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I could see that. Uh, Because she can sing and also can pull off the meek sort of thing. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, We've talked about Kiki Palmer before. I bet she would be great. Uh, yeah, put her in everything. Yeah, yeah. She's the news and day. Just kidding. Who is the actress uh, from Glee who played Mercedes? Uh, oh, shit. I haven't seen it in so long. Anyway, she recently did a performance. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Is her name Amber Riley? Amber Riley, yes. Yes. She recently did a performance of uh, Defying Gravity. Yeah, she's in something coming out soon. Yeah. Yeah, she's a great singer. But I was, oh, she can, yeah, she can sing. I'm, she would be let's great. Let's be real, all the Glee kids were yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, as vocalists, not. <laughs> Did you watch the Spring Awakening documentary? No, I didn't. <laughs> um, look, I, I'm i not a Leah Michelle hater. I, I always feel bad for her, the way that everybody hates her, and the yeah. way that everybody 
Like, instead of celebrating when Beanie Feldstein got cast and Hello, Dolly, everyone's reaction was just like, oh, no, oh, Leah I bet Michelle Leah Michelle is so mad. I know. <laughs> yeah. I just, I want to believe, and I, I did hear those awful stories about how she treated other people on the set of Glee. Yeah. Who knows if any of them are real. And she was, but, also, she was also a child. Sure. And she had just come off of this, like, huge Broadway success. I'm sure she was a brat. All I'm saying is yeah. I really like Jonathan Groff, and they are best friends, and I trust, I trust Jonathan Groff's judgment. Yes. I do. Uh-huh. Um, Even if he has <laughs> inspected her with a desk lamp. Yeah, that was a story <laughs> where Leah Michelle straight up said that she showed Jonathan Groff her, quote, full vagina, because he had never seen one before. Yeah. He, they thought that it would make their performance in Spring Awakening more believable if he had seen her <laughs> vagina when you look at it, when you look lamp. at a man, you can just tell. You can just tell if he's inspected one. <laughs> yeah, with a desk with a lamp. Desk lamp. Ooh, God, it's like very gynecological. Right. You know? Like it's weird. Um, so for um, casting this movie, uh, when it comes to Audrey, you're gonna love this. It makes so much sense. They originally asked Cindy Lauper to do it. Oh, that does, yeah. I know. Wouldn't that have been fantastic? That would have been, yeah. Oh, I would have loved it. But she turned it down. It was also rumored that they contacted Madonna and Barbara Streisand. Um, you know, rumors, just rumors. Green ultimately landed the role because they had seen her on stage and, yeah. and decided she was the right person for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple ideas, kind of, for the dentist, but that is where I didn't. I didn't think of anybody for Mishnick or no um, Audrey too. For Oren, I was thinking Michael Ian Black or yeah. like maybe even Bill Hader. Mm-hmm. Um, Someone I think- who's like a new, a new comedy legend. I mean, I think I would say Bill Hader, and yeah. I think Bill Hader can bring the same sort of like wacky um and also physical side of comedy too yeah too, and kind of the that same steve martin does kind of like the same level cameo as like mid-80s steve martin would be yeah i mean maybe a little less recognizable mm-hmm. um but i don't know who i would I, I don't think you really can come up with like a modern day steve martin equivalent like number one we still have steve martin right steve martin is the steve martin of today yeah. number two um I mean, really, and I love Bill Hader. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I still, I wouldn't, I wouldn't equate him to. Steve or Martin. like Fred Armisen, or like yeah, Fred Armisen is. Fred too... Armisen could be the Bill Murray character. Yeah, <laughs> if, yes, I could see that for yeah. sure, but not, not Oren. Mm-hmm. No, he's not like animated enough. Or like, think. or oh, Oren could like could be like Andy Samberg. Or, okay, is he mean enough? He could be, but is Steve Martin mean enough? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think know. that's part of the fun of Steve Martin playing that character is that he's usually like this like goofy guy. Sure. You know, and I feel like Andy Samberg could bring that same sort of He Andy Samberg has definitely got the goofiness yeah. for it. Uh, okay, yeah, I'd be willing like, to watch like it. Like the sight gag of him with like the 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 black wig. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that could be good. Yeah. That could be good. Let me see if I have any more fun trivia. We're making great time on today's I know, episode. It's fantastic. <laughs> okay, so uh, speaking of casting, a remake was announced in January 2020, and um, 
they were negotiations for this is not great taryn edgerton to be seymour which like just no i I like him as an actor but kind of the definition of some guy yeah just some guy let's get some guy in here now he he did play elton john in rocket man not a movie i loved was it a bad performance no can he sing yes but he's just some guy yeah and, you know, um, for um, Audrey One, they were talking with Scarlett Johansson, which doesn't surprise me, but would be boring. Yeah. Honestly, that I just bored. Has production been halted? Has they not? Yeah, it's been postponed indefinitely. Oh. So it's probably not going to happen. But here's who they got for uh, Audrey Two. Only person confirmed, Billy Porter. Ah, oh, that would have been I great. I know. Yeah. Also from Pose and countless other things, mm-hmm. uh, wonderful singer. Um, and this would have been good, too. They were uh, There were rumors that they were talking to Chris Evans to be the dentist. Oh, that yeah. He would have been great. And yeah. he talks all the time about how he really wants to do a musical. Yeah. Somebody let Chris Evans do a freaking musical and put Jake Gyllenhaal in it, too. Yeah. Just for us. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, this isn't a cameo, but in addition to having um, Heather Henson in the movie, um, Brian Henson, he was one of the operators of Audrey 2. Mm-hmm. Didn't he sort of like take over for Jim Henson? Yes. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. um, in in production-wise and voicing, right? I, I, some of them. Kermit, yeah. I, w- I would think so. Uh, let's see. I don't think I have really any other big, um, oh, this, this is, this is it. The 1960 movie, not the 1986, I think. The 1960 movie inspired a very short-lived Saturday morning cartoon that aired on Fox in 1991. It was called Little Shop. Really? Yes. Um, I read that. It, I read it was based off the 1961 because the director, um, Corman is his last name, he was a consultant on the cartoon series. Um, in this one, the plant did not eat people, and Seymour was like a 13 year old kid. Um, I, I don't I don't have any so more details the, for you. So then what's the point? <laughs> they work in a flower shop and there's a living plant and they're buddies. <laughs> it was only it only lasted for 13 episodes. I don't even know if they all aired. Um, okay, so I can give so here is the difference between the stage musical ending and the ending of the original movie, the 1960 movie. Oh right. So okay, yes. The in the in the movie, in the nineteen eighty six movie, they they screened it before test audiences. Test audiences hated the original ending. Mm-hmm. So that's when they went back and gave it the happy ending that we yeah, see. So in the musical in the stage musical, it ends with Orin, Mushnik, Audrey, and Seymour all being eaten by um Audrey too. And the three girls report that Audrey II's progeny continues to consume people. Like, like the plan yeah, has worked. Yeah, because the agent, when the agent shows up, he basically just tells Seymour, I'm doing this, I don't need your permission, and I've already started making them. Yeah. It's too late. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess, uh, oh, and, and right before that, when, when Patrick, the agent, confronts Seymour, it's really dark. Like, Seymour is on the roof about to kill himself. Yeah. He's about to jump. So it's so the original ending was related much more closely to the musical itself's ending. Yes. Okay. So in the 1960 movie, 
Mushnik and Audrey survive, and the plant's carnivorous activities are discovered when its flowers bloom with the faces of its victims, including, including Seymour, Seymour imprinted on them. Um, and the musical um, and the references this ending and its finale in which the plant's four victims' faces are seen bloom- as blooming flowers. Let's go back to the original ending of this movie. Yeah. Um, basically, we see that the plant wins, the plant does take over, there's world domination. I believe in the very last scenes, uh, we see like the army essentially is fighting the big Audrey II that's like overtaken the Statue of Liberty. Mm -hmm. And at the very, very end, it's supposed to appear as though it's bursting through the screen to eat the audience. Yeah. Ooh. So, I mean... Yeah, people didn't like it. People People like... They're, they're happy endings. Yeah. I like the happy ending. I mean. I I love the happy ending. I thought, honestly, I thought having the little plant in the garden was kind of, like, dumb. It's just a nod to the, how it I think to the B movie, yeah. like, like you were saying, like, it's a satire of all these different things. And to me, that's very much like a B movie trope. Um, like, uh, what's, what's an example? Like, the ending of Carrie, where her hand... Like, it's right. one of those, like, oh, the good guys won, but did but they? But they did. The- yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of those things. Yeah. But anyways, overall, um, I, I think it is clear we both loved this movie. Yeah, I love it. Would watch again. Mm-hmm. Probably will. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think we can go ahead and say, because I know you are so excited for it, our next episode for the 90s, would you like to say what it is? Yes. Well, uh, yeah. It basically, like... The only Andrew Lloyd Webber musical that I like. We're going to do Evita. I've heard so many good things. Mm-hmm. I am willing to be convinced that there is a good Andrew Lloyd mm. Webber musical yes. movie out there. Do you know what? You know who hates this film adaptation? Patty Lapone. Oh well, because she originated uh, the role and then they gave it to Madonna, which lots how of how could she not? Yeah, lots of musical theater people were pissed and. Argentinian people. I'm sure Patty Lupone was very insulted. <laughs> to like to because let's let's be real, Madonna's stunt casting. Yes. Come on. But I've heard she's very good in it. She does yes, she does do a great job. We'll see. And it's still my stance that um Ray of Light is better musically than a lot of her and, and vocally than a lot of her other albums because she made it right after making Evita when I'm sure she had tons of vocal training. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll see about that. Yeah. I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So we will be back uh, our next episode in the 90s, Evita. Mm-hmm. We hope that you guys enjoyed the 80s. Once again, you can find us at The Hills Are Alive on Instagram. At The Hills Are Alive pod. Oh, yeah. So, ooh, okay. Once again, you can find us... <laughs> At the Hills Are Alive Pod uh-huh. on Instagram, and um, if you enjoy what you what you hear, leave, leave us, us a, a good review. If you didn't enjoy it, don't don't leave a review like, at don't all. Don't do that. <laughs> or do. That's fine. All right. Um, thanks, everyone. We'll we'll be back soon. Yeah, and thanks to We Own This Town, and we'll see you guys soon. <laughs> <laughs>